Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, out there in Los Angeles, California. It's Mister Evan Swords at burner underscore swords man where do we start buddy like this is uh this is a a lot happening here it's a what do we want to coin this edition of the podcast as for you because it's it's going to be centric on you and your 49ers tonight i mean i'm i'm not much of a give things a name person that's kind of your thing so i'll let you run with it if you've got Mm -hmm. it but uh uh yeah what a fun 48 hours this has been well, you've gotten an extra day. You were traveling yesterday, so that's why we have a 24-hour delay on this very podcast. But we have a lot of Niners listeners, and I'm sure they are chomping at the bit to figure out where your head's at um, after Sunday night's game. Um, both games were phenomenal. We'll get into both of them uh, momentarily. But Evan, I think we have to, we have to start with uh, our time, our team. Um, how was your how was your football watching weekend? How did you how did you navigate Denver and the slopes and uh, the Ford facing White Claws? You uh, you're always you always keep your head on a swivel, even when you're uh, out and about. Yeah. Um, first off, Denver's an amazing city. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I had a friend who just moved out there. I think we talked about that. And then one of mm. my best friends lives out there, and he has. Uh, two kids with the third on the way, and the first one's named after me, little Evelyn. Um, so, you know, I wanted to go out there and see him and had planned for just – I'm like I'm the kind of person that never really schedules things right. Like I'll just mm-hmm. like pick a date whether I have something going on or not. Kind of person where I'll say yes to like everything. Like, hey, want to do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. We're the exact I, opposite person. Chase, we've been the exact opposite <laughs> person for a very long time. <laughs> Uh, other than our affinity for blue light sunglasses, apparently. Well, and football, and you know, yeah, Yeah, no, but um, you know, so the first day we kind of went out and saw the city. Second day, woke up, went snowboarding, Copper Mountain, which was amazing. The snow wasn't even great, but it wasn't bad, and Mm -hmm. the mountain was awesome. Had a really good time. Um, love snowboarding so much. Wish we could do it more. And then Saturday, we all kind of just went out, bounced around the city, got food. Food was amazing. Every place I went, Denver, like, like I said. What's the best I, thing you ate? The best thing I ate was uh, the Wagyu pastrami sandwich. Oh, that sounds good. So what was on it? Wagyu, like, like, it was like a Reuben but wag, okay. with Wagyu. Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that. I'm like, I feel too poor. Um, I, so. <laughs> I have no idea either. I, I believe you either way. Um, but yeah, that was great. The food mm. was great there. Um, but for the, you know, so, you know, for the game, um, the F- Denver as a city has like a 49ers fan chapter there hmm. that they watch. There's a, a bar called the Blake street tavern that has two, you know, basically a basement of mm. bar and an above, like more of a, like a traditional, like family restaurant slash sports bar. And the whole downstairs is completely rented out for 49ers fans. So as far as experiences go, being in a city that you don't know much about, 
on, you know, the biggest game of the year, it felt great because I was surrounded by 49ers fans. Mm. Um, the com- camaraderie was great. And, you know, for the most part, they were winning the majority of the game. So it was a very exciting time all the way through till the end. What was um, what was the turning point for you and your bar and your your mood changed? When did it when did it really shift for you and set in that like this was in doubt? Well, the the interception I think is yeah. when it was like really the dropped interception. No, the dropped interception. No, because like what was the bar reaction to the tart drop? Just uh, exactly what you would expect. Like you got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it just it just just I don't know. It all happened so fast as far as the feeling. Like I can't stress that enough. The you know, the you go to the the second down run where they lose a yard, the third and uh, two, they lose a half a yard again. Like all of that happened so fast. The dropped interception happened so fast. It felt like I like all of it was just like I was on this like dive bombing war path to the inevitable interception that Jimmy threw. So when it did happen, I was just like, you know, let me just, before you ask a question, let me just say this. Mm. I have watched Kyle Williams fumble a punt return. I have watched uh, an overthrown uh, pass to Crabtree in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Um, that There was pass interference that didn't get called. I've watched an incredible tip by Richard Sherman uh, that went to Malcolm Smith. Uh, I've watched Jimmy Garoppolo air sail it over Emmanuel Sanders to win the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, when you, when you, as a 49ers fan, when he threw that interception, it just like you immediately go to that mental point where you're like, I know what, where we are now and I know how this ends. Well, let's talk about Jimmy. Um, was that it for Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? Oh yeah, I don't know if you heard his his interview today, but he I did. Very... Oh, today? No, I didn't hear today. Yeah. I just listened so, to the post game. So they had his interview today, and he came in, and you know, he's just like, he was great. But really, really, I mean, honestly, like, t- say what you will about his football skills, but Jimmy Garoppolo to me is one of the most respectful, thoughtful. Uh, professional athletes in relation to how he talks to the media that I think I've ever seen. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not, I don't mean that from like a bias or homework, like they like the media, like in the 49ers uh, beat writers, they award someone every year uh, that, and he co-won it with uh, one other person. I can't remember who, but hmm. you know, he, the way he just kind of speaks to the media is he's always very honest uh, and giving with his time and information. And at the end of it, he goes, you know, Hey, I just talking to the media. It's like, I just want you guys to know, like, you guys have always been so great. I really appreciate you all. He, you know, he made fun of you, like, you know, from Eric Branch's uh, corny jokes uh, to everything in between. You know, he basically just like, I really want to thank you. You have all made uh, this experience really great. Um, and he goes into the faithful, you know, uh, I can't say enough how much your support has meant. We've had a lot of ups and downs. You know, we've had uh, some game, you know, some some comeback wins on the road, some comeback wins at Levi, some really special moments. He goes, you know, I just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And so I think that was like, it was really, it was great for fans. Cause you, you know, I think fans, you would expect fans to be so mad, 
But I do think that these last two, three years with Jimmy Garoppolo, fans are at the point now where they really understood what Jimmy was and Jimmy wasn't. Mm. I think there was no confusion, you know, the NFC championship against the Los Angeles Rams, what kind of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was. I think everyone knew what he was. So I think when he, when he throws an interception to lose the game and, you know, there's sadness and disappointment, but like, I think once Jimmy has that conversation to the fans, everyone's like, Hey, you know, I appreciate what you've done. A lot of people talk a lot about how, you know, he, he left the team better than when he got it. Right. And that's true. And it's very true. Right. He really, he really did. You know, there was multiple quarterbacks, on the San Francisco 49ers during the time in which Jimmy got traded for, who started football games due to his injury and things like that. And they all lost unequivocally in, in, in uh, just sad fashion, right? Every quarterback other than Jimmy just consistently lost on the 49ers during the Kyle Shanahan tenure. Uh, and Jimmy won. And there's a lot of things that people will say about that. But, you know, I think he did. He left, he left the, the, the team better than when he came in. And, and as a 49ers fan, you it's over. You peel the Band-Aid off, and you know that Trey Lance is waiting the next season. Have you seen the betting odds of where Jimmy's next team might be? You mean the Washington Commanders? The Washington uh, Theoretical Commanders. Man, nope. I really – I was nope. just – Jay, it, mm. no. It's, mm. lit, it's confirmed. There was a helicopter about 30 oh. minutes ago. Uh, a news helicopter that was uh-huh. looking over the stadium and inside the stadium, it already says commanders. What a great day. Uh, yeah. you. By the way, we've mm. missed a lot. Did you also hear that Jim Harbaugh officially, well, not officially, but plans to sign with the Vikings that just got tipped by a, a Michigan reporter. Really? Yeah. And NFL, like there's just so much to hit on today. Like Tom Brady retired this morning and that feels like three and a half days ago. Right. Well, I think it also helps that he technically retired two days ago. He just didn't want to admit it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this now. You you throw me off. I didn't have uh, Jim Harbaugh on here, but yeah, this is uh, this is wild, man. He plans right. to sign with Minnesota Vikings. That's wild. We'll talk. We can definitely talk about that. But uh, I just mm-hmm. want to, you know, to answer your question. Yeah. I think I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think Jimmy and Kyle had a very tumultuous relationship. Mm. I think there is a possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo can be a better quarterback under a different coach. And in fact, I wouldn't even say it's like a possibility. I honestly believe unless Jimmy ends up going to what ends up being a very bad situation, which I don't think he will, because they've already said like, Hey, we will trade him to where he wants to go. Like they've Mm. actually said that out loud. Um, I think then I guess Washington's out. There's no way that man wants to go play for the Washington commanders. I don't know, man. I think Alex Smith, you know, you remember when Alex went there and before he hurt his leg, like they really were like competing for the division. You know, they've got some decent defensive pieces there. I don't think it's necessarily as bad, but I do think, you know, you look at like Pittsburgh could be really, I like that fit. I do too. Uh, I did joke. I'm like, you know, it's been a long time since Ben could do it, but uh, Jimmy certainly doesn't have that arm strength that Ben once had. I my favorite destination for him. So it's Steelers and Washington Commanders at plus four hundred, and then it's the Bucks 
right behind him at plus 550. That is my favorite. Is Jimmy replacing uh, Tom Brady in the in Tampa? I, I really great. like that. Um, I do really like that. I am curious. Do you – where do you see Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson ending up? Because that, to me, is like – that's what really is going to decide this because I think the Bucks are probably, you know, the Bucks and the Steelers, I think, are the two best options. You need to look at coach, skill position players available, offensive line, all the above. So, yeah, I think Rodgers is kind of going to Denver. That's what it looks like. That's where his coordinator went, yada, yada, yada. But well, see, is, I don't think that's happening. I think Rodgers is staying. I, here is what I'm thinking with Rodgers. I think Rodgers either retires, which is another possibility, or he plays another year in Green Bay. I don't think he's leaving. Oh, he's leaving. But I don't okay. think so. I think Rodgers is a Green Bay Packer next year or he's not playing football. I think that is where my head's at. I mean, Green Bay is getting picked off, though. They fired the special teams coach after you got a coach canned. Uh, Kyle Shannon took another one with the special team stuff. Uh, but So I, here's, what, here's what I'm mm-hmm. confused about. Aaron Rodgers holds out. Mm-hmm. They specifically restructure his contract to give him this one final year that he's just completed. Right. These were these are like those are facts; they're not questions. The team and him agreed on this restructure to give him the ability to leave after this year. So, so why exactly do you think that's not going to happen? Where's that? Coming well, I think from? he's. I think he was more upset, and I think he was in a worse place with the organization this time of year ago than where he's at right now i mean losing nathaniel hackett to denver hurts a lot and that was like the whole thing of just like uh we'll get he'll go to denver to follow hackett and they hired hackett just to that be another chess move to bring in rogers but like i like they have the pieces with sutton patrick and um just handler and all kinds of dudes like denver is just and judy like they have guys fans um they're a team that's ready to win now if they get the right quarterback but so are the Green Bay Packers, the team that he's won a bunch of games over the last three years with, a team that he just guided to a first-round bye this year. And he's if you bring back Devontae Adams, I think that is probably a big chess move here, too, is like he's super close with Adams. So if Adams is back and they're able to work something else there, work something out there, then I think that makes it even more likely. But I also would not be the least bit surprised if Aaron Rodgers just walks away from football. I would I, not be the least surprised. I think I am like sitting here trying to explain to you that Santa is not real. Like mm. I need you to understand Aaron Rodgers isn't staying with the Packers. Okay. Like that's not going to happen. They, but if he's not, then like, I don't know. We have not seen nearly enough from Jordan Love. I'm not a Jordan Love believer. And no, I think right. if. But no, no, no. Let's forget this Jordan Love stuff. That's for the Packers to figure out. Well, the Packers don't have to trade him. The Packers can't. He's under Aaron Rodgers held out until they restructured the contract. Mm -hmm. So if he, and by the way, why aren't we looking that up right now? Well, Andrew Brandt, uh, the great uh, Andrew Brandt, longtime Packers executive, has been saying, he said this before last year that this past year is going to be Rogers last year in green Bay. Um, no matter what, and that he was not going to get traded even when he was holding out and all that kind of stuff. They were like, they're going to work something out. They're going to restructure like you're talking about. And then he's going to ride out this season. Then he's going to do something else. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he enjoyed this year at all. I think he, he's already up there in age. He seems like someone who 
is he's not like addicted to the grind like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and other guys like that were. I think he's interested in other things. I think he is someone that could walk away and be totally happy doing something else and doing a variety of different things. Like he hosted Jeopardy for a reason. I think that guy, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's TV. I don't know if it's just a full-time co-host of the Pat McAfee show, but the vibe I get from Aaron Rodgers is that football is just this thing that he's really good at and he enjoys it. But if it's not as fun, like it wasn't for him this year, most of that being self-inflicted, um, why would he keep doing it at his age if he doesn't think he can win? And then you're like, how much does he really want to win one more ring? How much does he really want to pack up, go to Denver, start all over again, get used to all these new pieces and run it back? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not Aaron Rodgers, but it would not surprise me. Like, we're seeing kind of an avalanche of these older quarterbacks just being like, this is a young man's game. And I don't know. I mean, Stafford obviously trade uh, changes teams this past offseason. They go out, they win uh, the NFC, they're in the Super Bowl. Um, they just gave up all their picks. They invested heavily um, in the OBJs, the Von Millers of the world, and it paid off. All that being said, I think Stafford had, he doesn't, he, he's just wired differently than Rodgers. Rodgers is a different kind of player altogether and different kind of person. So he's so hard to read on this front, but I don't know. Why, I, why, I, so, yeah. why, why go, okay, I'm, I, I just don't understand this, but like why go through the, the restructure, why hold out the way that he did, which is from everything that we've been told, he did this so that he could leave after this season. Why did that all, why is he all of a sudden changing his mind? Well, I think he's repaired a lot of the relationships in the building, right? Like the reporting is, huh? What makes you think that? Well, I mean, that was the reporting just a couple weeks ago that it's better now. It's a lot better now than it was this time last year. So Gutenkust and Murphy and coaches and all that, like he's in a better, he has a better feelings. He has better feelings towards the organization than he did, um, especially last summer. I think it's not perfect, but it seems like there's uh, a lot more progress there. And I mean, Roger, uh, what did Matt LaFleur say that he hopes Aaron Rodgers is a Packer until he retires? Like, well, yeah, I obviously, good- Pat, but I mean, Matt LaFleur, that's not the question, right? Matt LaFleur obviously wants Aaron Rodgers there. Why wouldn't he? Why would Matt not want one of the greatest quarterbacks in the last 20 years? Well, I mean, but if I you're mean, sure about Jordan Love, then you're okay with him walking out the door. No, no one's sure about Jordan Love. I mean... It's not a good sign. I Yeah, I just... Like, the, there was a report six days ago that was Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams would love to team up with the Broncos. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett is... Yeah. And we don't have to spend this much time on it. Is well, no, I just I don't think I think that's super unsettled. But nothing would surprise me the way this off season's going. Um, nothing would surprise me. But let's bring it back to uh, well, where do you what, what's your guess? Where do you think the Niners trade uh, Garoppolo to? Who's your guess? It's I just think that's too hard. Where would you like to see him go? How about that? I, well, you know, I mean, I would like to see him go to a strong organization with a strong head coach and. I think the Bucks and the uh, you know the Steelers really are that. I would absolutely love if Jimmy Garoppolo got to go play with Arians or um, mm. Tomlin. I mean, they, they're both coaches that are known for you know lifting up their their quarterbacks, backing them up, giving them weapons, right, giving them the chance to succeed. I think it's been reported a million times over that Arians does not want to develop a rookie. 
Mm-hmm. He never has. I mean, that, that report goes back all the way to the Cardinals. Well, he's um, also a year to year coach now. He's like, I'm not signing on for a rebuild job. That's not right. Not so I, I just, it, I, the only way that and that question can be answered is to really understand how coaches view Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's an impossible task because all we ever hear about is what Mina Kimes uh, or, you know, you know, PFF, uh, you know, think of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? There's some people that think Jimmy is literally worthless and he is just the product of Kyle Shanahan's offensive system. And there's other people that are like, this is an efficient quarterback that wins the game that is respected amongst his peers, right? And I just, I don't think there's any real information outside of what you hear from the 49ers team you know what other coaches think so the information that they got today in terms of how jimmy answered the question of that he's like i think we'll probably see something soon i think my team my team is working with the 49ers right now so it sounds like it could happen sooner than later but i just you know they did say it's pretty straightforward that he has to sign off on it and i don't think he's going to sign off on you know, the Dolphins. I don't know. He might like the my. He's a tan guy. He might like the Miami life. I don't know. Not after this report that just came out. That's probably true. Um, how much of the loss on Sunday night would you place at the feet of Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, right after I watched the game when I was still drunk off of like 12 tequila shots and mad as hell, I would have put the majority on it. Um, after taking some time to actually watch uh, the replays and watch a little bit of the game clips and stuff like that, the offensive line not only played bad, but genuinely had like four or five mistakes. Uh, There was one where the guards pulled towards each other, uh, which is clearly not what they were supposed to do. Uh, Another like misstep here and there, things like that. There were really big mistakes against a team that was, you know, as on a team that was already struggling to get any kind of run game whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I do place some blame on Kyle for going for it uh, or not going for it, excuse me, on that, you know, whatever, three and two. Uh, I I was, once again, I was pretty drunk halfway through the game just because we were, you know, lots of, I was with a lot of friends. We were celebrating, you know, it was exciting, right? They're scoring, they're up. Um, but even still, I was like, looked at my buddy and I was like, they can't run against this Rams team right now. Like, they're not like, there's like eight people, nine people in the box. Like, they can't run. And Kyle, you know, whether, hey, you don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever, that's fine. But he never really adjusted to that. Like, he kept trying to run. Like, I don't know if you noticed or saw, but Elijah Mitchell, who at the beginning of the year was like, oh my God, he's so good. You know, he's like, projected to have like more, you know, like one of the, the highest uh, rookies of any, just, you know, just really was killing it. He averaged 1.8 yards per carry at like 20 carries. Yeah. How much of it would you place at the feet of, I mean, the craziest I like, thing. I didn't answer that, by the way. Mm-hmm. How much do I blame it on place the yeah. on Jimmy? The interception was terrible. Uh, there was a couple of near pisses, misses. Uh, that were really bad. The overthrow in the beginning mm. to Kittle was bad. It's a bad game from Jimmy, but he also yeah. had a really decent game in the middle. 
Uh, I'd give him like, as you know, he's the quarterback, probably 50% of the blame and then spread the rest of the 50% up amongst everything else. I, um, it was interesting because like when you're watching the game, it's, it felt like the, they were, the defense was just playing above their heads a lot for San Francisco that they were really, really keeping this Niners team in the game that they should not have been in the game because the offense was just stalling. The offense was struggling. I mean, the, the Rams had what, like a really preposterous, what, 18 play drive at one point in this game mm-hmm. um, that just ate up a bunch of clock. Like the Niners had like five minutes of total possession time at one point in right. this game. So that was something that stood out to me of just being like the Rams could methodically move down the field, even though this was super fascinating. So I don't know how much of this fell on the 49ers run defense, but the run defense, like they completely completely shut down Michelle and Akers and Akers left early on. But like you look at that monster, that two-headed monster, they're awful. Like Akers is a great story, but he's been awful. And Sonny Michelle is cooked. I mean, yes, but the Niners defense is really good. Yeah. but Well, football outsiders had a really great thing about this. So they said, so they were literally putting together like the worst rushing NFL Super Bowl teams ever. And so this comes from Football Outsiders said, quote, the Rams rushing totals through three playoff games are putrid. 97 carries for 283 yards and a 2.9 yard average with as many fumbles, too, as touchdowns. Yet somehow that deep t- uh, the detail makes things even worse. The, the two touchdowns were both third and one goal line sneaks by Matt Stafford, who also had an embarrassing stuff at the on fourth down. Um, they challenged, which was silly. McVay had two awful challenges in this game, but um, that was pretty remarkable. They could not get the fourth and inches on a QB snake, but uh, testament to that D'Amico Ryan's defense. Um, but also it can't uh, front uh, football outsiders added, uh, put it all together. And the Rams have a rush offense DBOA of negative 44.4% this postseason. The worst playoff run on record for any Super Bowl team since 1983. Kind of wild. Isn't that kind of okay for a team that's got OBJ and Cooper right. Cup, right? Like, and Tyler Higby, like, this isn't a running team. They haven't been all season. And, you know, Sonny Michelle had a couple of good games, and it's a great story. Cam Akers coming back is a great story. But this is a passing team, and that's why they passed. And Cooper Cup and OBJ absolutely destroyed the 49er secondary. <sighs> Was it the scheme? Was it just playing too much man? Was it because like Cooper Cup, it's just he gets everybody. So it, he's a 2000 yard receiver. Cooper Cup gets everyone. So it's hard for me to rip uh, a team. It's more the Blanton stuff. Blanton in the flat was open nonstop. Like he was the third string tight end. So he was only placed in the game because Higby left and got hurt. You look at that and you're like, they had no answers for him on important plays. Um, obviously, this was a bend, don't break situation. There was a missed field goal by the Rams, but. I mean, OBJ, okay, so can I do my five-second old man yells at cloud yeah. thing? Um, two things can be true. I'm not about to do the thing that the Browns reporter did after the game about OBJ. and uh, it sucks. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do that, but I will say something I jotted down. I'm like, I'm going to count how many times OBJ celebrates after any kind of catch. Every catch, he's like up jaw and excited like doing the first down thing whatever the man is excited every time he touches the football that is something that is real um there was a dirty hit in this game too um the warner hit who did he hit was that obj or was that stafford he hit in the back of the head um after the play 
advanced pass him. I'm not, I don't remember which one it was now. Um, but I just, I didn't find that the Niners played all that bad defensively. And even though they ended up losing the game, like tart, the drop was, was rough, but nothing really jumped out to me. Like getting cooked by Cooper cup is just part of the deal. Like, I don't know. I, so, I mean, you have a good point that, I, that we should speak about it. And then we talked a little bit about it. But the 49ers played pretty well for three quarters, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's what you look at, right? And you realize that Kyle Shanahan has, like, not scored a single point in the fourth quarter of playoff games. And that's what do you think that thing. is? I mean, I think it's, you know, I'm a not, I don't like to overthink things, right? I like to just look at things for how they are. I'm not the most, you know, X's and O's guys, as I've said before. But if I look at Kyle, the way he presents himself, the way he speaks, the way he's acted, the, the, the games in which he's had, Kyle comes across to me as a very arrogant play caller, a very arrogant person. And guess what? He, sh- he should be, right? He's had success. Everywhere he went, he comes from a literal football god in Mike Shanahan, right? Like he has been around the great since childbirth. Like, you know, I get it, but he he just seems like a guy that goes. Everyone thinks I'm going to run here, so I got to pass. Everything's got to pass here. I'm going to run. You know, people think that I got to do this. Well, get too bad. I'm going to make this, you know, receiver a running back, right? Like, and it's just like. It works, but I think sometimes when it comes to these big games and it comes to the Super Bowl um, and it comes to this game, it's just like you're playing teams that literally have everything to lose. They're selling out everything possible. You're getting the best versions of that team. Like I said it today, I was, you know, like the team, like how a team plays in the regular season does not matter in the postseason. To me, I, I does not no storyline in the regular season means anything to me. And you have this team, you have Aaron Donald, right? You have Von Miller, you have all of these stars on this team. You have everyone talking about six and oh, seven oh, you know, things like that. And it's just like you're 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 very capable of beating them, but you're going to get the best version of them. And they go, okay, Kyle's running game is the main thing. We're going to shut it down. We'll make you throw. And literally Kyle goes, no, I'm going to keep trying to run the ball because I'm mean. And it didn't work. And then, uh, you know, I don't know what your opinion is on it. And I, I'm not sure everybody agrees with me. A lot of people think that Jimmy just sucks. And I think at times he can. And I think at times he's really struggled. But I genuinely believe, especially in the in, at the highest levels of football, if you're a quarterback, you need to throw the ball to be able to get into a rhythm to continue to throw it well. And I don't just mean in a game. I mean over the course of a season. And I think, you know, Kyle never lets Jimmy throw, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you have Debo Samuel, one of the best receivers in the NFL. We're going to use him as a running back. George Kittle, I don't care what anyone says. He's the greatest tight end in the NFL. You like Kelsey? Fine. I don't. I personally think he's number two. He's great. What does he do? He uses him as a blocker, right? Like he doesn't give Jimmy the opportunity to flourish. And then when these. Do you think it's just a trust thing or do you think it's just a receiver talent thing? Do you think it's. I think 
I think it's a trust thing. I also think it's a, a kind of a, I bet you that Kyle goes, my system is perfect and you struggle and there's no reason you should struggle if you're in my system because my system is perfect. It is right. interesting the way that people talk about Kyle because they were like, whoever replaces Jimmy, like you should always bet on the Kyle Shanahan scheme. It's like any quarterback, like when you listen to any former player, anybody talk about Kyle Shanahan's scheme, they're like, it's just tailor made for quarterback success. And we've just looked at it and it's like, well, not every quarterback. And they thought Jimmy Garoppolo was the one who would succeed um, ultimately in this scheme. And that was a big deal at the time. Like, the Niners taking a big swing and trading a lot of assets for Jimmy Garoppolo was a big swing. That was like a, we're going for it. We think this guy can win a Super Bowl for us. Um, we just forget because time's passed and it, we've seen what he really is, which is like still he can be a top 15 quarterback and he can be someone who can win a Super Bowl for you. You just need the right amount of talent and the right kind of system around him. And this year, I don't know, like, he had a weird hodgepodge of receivers coming in and out of the lineup. Like you said, Debo became more of a running back almost throughout the course of the season, but it worked like Debo had an all time great year and he is going to be a great player for you guys going forward. And I wanted to get your perspective on the injury with him. Like how much does that change where this game went? Because he got lit up and that was also a Jimmy thing. Jimmy just led Debo to his death over the middle, which he's done a few times with George and it's right. become an issue. Exactly. And then you look at Ayuk, who you are on this podcast early on the season. Like, I don't understand this. Like, Ayuk's not involved. Ayuk was in the doghouse. And then Ayuk was a, an important player down the stretch. And then you have Juwan Jennings, who fall for life. Great, great player. Great, great guy, Juwan Jennings. He becomes a number three for you guys. It's not the same situation where when you watch, um, you watch Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, where he's got three dudes he knows dang well he can trust. He can three. trust. Three years that are being used, period, in that system. Right. And you, you could, but what they show, what Zach Taylor shows in that system is that, like, even though, and he comes from the McVeigh tree, which comes from the Shanahan tree, they were still running the ball a bunch. They were still trying with Joe Mixon. And then when that wasn't working, they were like, oh, we're going to use T. Higgins over the middle because this dude looks like he's 6'11", uh, Oak Ridge's own T. Higgins. And we're going to give him the ball because guess what? Jamar Chase is getting doubled a bunch. And CJ Ozoma is out. Guess what? We're going to go to the next best thing. And we're going to go to T Higgins a bunch on big plays. And Joe Burrow scrambled. Like, I don't know. I just feel like Zach Taylor did a better job of dealing with his players and its roster than Shanahan did. He adapted. I I feel like Shanahan did not adapt to be like, hey, we need to give Ayuk the ball and let him do the kind of stuff that Cooper Cup does over the middle. But so that's the thing too, right? Like that's to me, like that's a very good point. Um, Debo goes out. If I am a head coach or an offensive coordinator, I'm a moron when it comes to football. But one thing I think I would get pretty, pretty easily is I'd go, okay, let's use George Kittle. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's like, oh, he needs to block because they, you know, whatever. Like Travis Kelsey helps blocking. Mm-hmm. You can't like it's not like Travis Kelsey doesn't block. They also find time for him to receive. Lakin Tomlinson and Alex Mack are Pro Bowlers as of today. They just got announced they will be Pro Bowlers. I miss Alex Mack and Trent Trent Williams is the greatest left tackle maybe in history. Absolutely the best offensive lineman period in the NFL this year. You have two Pro Bowlers. Are you telling me 
that Travis Kelsey has a better offensive line because he doesn't. So, like, you, Debo goes out. Why are you not pass? Like, you never pass to George Kittle. So, and this will continue on to the, the way I kind of want to end the conversation. We don't have to get there yet. But, like, the focus when we maybe transition from here is that there's no more excuses. Like, period. Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, Kittle needs to block. Or, oh, Jimmy just can't get the ball to him, even though Jimmy's very good at throwing the ball over the middle most of the times where he's there. Um, and then, yeah, to your point, why not even give the ball to Brandon Ayuk more? What I would like to know is in a game where you can't run the ball at all, why do you rush 20 times? Yeah. Why? You, you can't run the ball. Why do you rush for 20 times? You don't trust Jimmy. Right. And so, I mean, if I don't know if you have anything you want to say, but I would love to transition to that whenever you're ready. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I It's interesting. And now what's... What's going to be fascinating with the Niners and your team that going into this offseason and next year in general is that like one of the good things that Shanahan's had in his back pocket is Trey Lance. Like Lance has been sitting there and he's this like fail safe key where it's like no matter what happens with Jimmy, the implosion, the roller coaster of a season for him. Guess what? We still got Trey Lance waiting in the wings. And that's when we'll move forward. And that's when everything like he's looking at it as like, or, I mean, the organization can just spin this as like, we almost got two Super Bowls out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Just think of what we can do uh, with a, a surefire Shanahan guy and a, just a, a multi-dimensional weapon uh, under center in Trey Lance. Just wait. That's when things will really be unlocked. Well, now the pressure's on because this is now Trey Lance's team. And now there's no other player behind him. There's no waiting. If Kyle regresses and this offense doesn't function well with Trey Lance, and this is not the same success that he had as Jimmy Garoppolo, who did almost go to two Super Bowls in three years, Shanahan's time and John Lynch's time in San Francisco will not be long. Like this is now the, this is now the biggest situation for this administration is what Trey Lance looks like after a full season in the system. And also no Jimmy Garoppolo slander. Cause he was the shield for Shanahan and this group all season long. You defended it. You were on the podcast. You were on Twitter doing this all year long where it's like that being, if you remove Jimmy Garoppolo from this equation, Evan, that means it's, it's Trey Lance's time. The pressure is on. There's no excuses anymore. And I am fascinated to see how it goes because it's either going to be great and Trey Lance is going to be an MVP right away, or this is going to flame out and they're like, he, this is it. Like we got to do something else. So that's, and I, that's how I want, that's very much so what I mean. And, and let's walk through it one last time, the end of the season. Let's say one more time. Mm. Kyle Shanahan gets here to the 49ers and the first thing he does with these high draft picks that they ask because the team is bad, he goes, we're not ready yet for a good quarterback. It's more important to get pieces together. I've got a big window, six-year contract. I don't care about the quarterback yet. I'm going to get Kirk Cousins. So I'm not going to draft Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to just draft uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not even going to draft Josh Allen. I don't need them, Right. And then he goes, I'm going to trade for, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
this is what we're going to do. This is it, right? For for the, the next five years, it's Jimmy's not good enough. Jimmy's limiting the offense. Jimmy can't do this. Jimmy can't do that. Fine. We get to here, lose the Super Bowl, lose the NFC Championship. Kyle trades three first-round picks for Trey Lance. Three. Three first-round picks. Never done that in the history of the team. They take the guy that everyone says the most upside, the best chance to be groundbreaking, right? Okay, so let's move on. Jimmy's no longer on the team. Let's assume he's gone. I've listened to people for five years tell me that the reason why the team wasn't doing better, wasn't doing more, wasn't, you know, all these deep shots like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones was because of Jimmy Garoppolo. I heard the team won in spite of Jimmy. I heard that that it, it, it had nothing to do with anything other than the other players, Kyle Shanahan. We also literally heard, okay, Trey is not ready yet, so he's going to sit a year. So after he sat a year, got a couple games where he played down – like if he plays bad next year, are we going to go? Oh well, he's because he's he's you know he's too too junior. He just sat a year. That was yeah. the whole point, right? And we just saw Joe Burrow go to a Super Bowl in year two, right? So it's like, regardless of what happens, and I'm you know I don't know if I've been so passionate about something as I am when I'm talking about this right now. I almost forgot I actually cared about this team after Sunday, but like it's good to care, re- Evan. It's good to get back into it. Regardless of anything, Kyle Shanahan has literally built a house of cards. There is no option. There's no alternative. There's no end result that this does not end his fault. Because if Trey Lance is bad, they traded three round first round picks for him. If Trey Lance comes out and they're still running the ball all the time, they can't pass ever because that's just how Kyle Shanahan's scheme works. It's Kyle's fault. If if they come out and they still like Trey takes them to the NFC Championship and then they blow another fourth quarter, they don't score in the fourth quarter again. It's Kyle Shanahan's fault. Even if Trey messes up, it'll still be Kyle Shanahan's fault. When Jimmy messed up, it was Jimmy's fault. But mm-hmm. now there's nothing left. It's only on Kyle. And do I think it's a possibility that he's going to succeed? I I still have faith in Trey Lance. I think he's really exciting. I think the team is the roster is going to be incredible, but it's just so annoying that it got here because it doesn't, it doesn't need to, but like you're, you're like you said very well, your shield's gone. There's no more Jimmy Garoppolo excuse anymore. And I couldn't be happier that you can't use that excuse anymore. I never want to hear it again. We'll end it there. We'll end it there on the other game though. The Bengals, Joe Burrow. I I hate to bring this up. I don't hate to bring this up. I don't don't hate it at all. No, I actually enjoy it. Um, as someone who watched a lot of Joe Burrow at LSU and someone who is just uh, from afar, just especially with the Falcons nose diving in recent years, um, to just kind of latch on a little bit and uh, really embrace the Joe Burrow era up there in Cincinnati. This was not all that surprising. Um, Joe's do pretty well in this regard. Joe Namath, Joe Montana. Uh, this is a, a Joe business. 
if you will, in the NFL for quarterbacks. And Burrow, man, one of my favorite things about him is I he's di- he's built different and people say that but like this kid really is mentally different like this is a different kind of cat who is just unfazed by everything and i remember they kept showing him on the sideline uh when the chiefs were going up and the chiefs scored three touchdowns in their first three drives and burrow is just calm collected thinking like he's fine he's not nervous at all he's been there before the Bengals put themselves in these kind of positions all the time this season he's a comeback kid and the defense is obviously a big part of this they played better than the buffalo bills defense uh, and that was something that we talked about on this pod of just being like man you can complain about the overtime rules but <sighs> the Bengals stopped them the Bengals forced a turnover buffalo could have done that buffalo could have gotten the ball back last week um if their defense forced a turnover if they got a stop it wasn't inevitable that the chiefs just keep scoring over and over again because guess what the Bengals stopped them with a less talented defense, mind you, uh, than the, the the boys up there in Buffalo. But I uh, I was so impressed because he he adapted like he adapts so well. So last week he gets sacked nine times, NFL record. This week he's like, when they're coming at me, I think he only got sacked once in this game. The pressure was still there. Like the Chiefs were getting home, um, especially early in this one. And Melvin Ingram was a force early on. Guess what? he moved around in the pocket. He had some gigantic third down runs in this game. The third down scrambles to keep drives alive. He threw into tight windows um, like that T hit, like multiple T Higgins catches across the middle were just preposterous. And he put the ball right where it needs to. He's precise. He made a rare uh, air uh, with his interception late, but Man, that guy just was going to drive down the field. He was going to follow the game plan. He was going to find Samaj P. Ryan on a screen when he needed to. He was cool, calm, collected, and just did his business. Like, that is a, I'm going to put, what is the lunch pail expression? That's Joe Burrow, where he's just like, I'm going to put on my hard hat and I'm going to pick up my lunch and then I'm just going to go shut shut up uh, the Kansas City fans and this Arrowhead Stadium and go win a football game and go to the Super Bowl in year two. That's what I'm going to do, and it's going to be fine. And then I'm going to answer questions about whether or not my diamonds are real uh, in the press conference because that's that's me, and I, I make a lot of money, so I want to remind folks, why would I buy fake diamonds when I got when I make as much money as I do? Joe Burrow, just the coolest, the coolest cat. And I could not be uh, more excited to see what he does against the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. Um, but... Man, what did you make of the Joe Burrow comeback and the way he played? And honestly, the other part of it we have to mention is the Patrick Mahomes second half meltdown. Yeah, that was. uh, Well, I will say this. I said today, right? Patrick Mahomes has been to four AFC championships and the only Super Bowl that he has won against the, the 49ers who are very clearly cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, no so curses no curses evan atlanta cursed. won a nat uh, won a won a title this year the stafford's in the super bowl georgia just won a national title i don't know man stafford mm-hmm. is about to go to the super bowl because he just had to deal with over a decade of being on the lions this is redemption right. for what they did to calvin johnson and barry sanders mm-hmm. the 49ers are cursed you can't, first, Evan. you can't tell me after winning five Super Bowls, having arguably one of the worst 
decades in NFL history, any football team ever had after that, um, to then having five heartbreak, like top tier, S tier heartbreaking losses. Mm-hmm. It'll get better, Evan. It's going to. 49ers have lost either shoe in games to guarantee you win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, I think so. Or lost in the Super Bowl to Eli Manning, mm. Joe Flacco, mm. Matt Stafford. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They're like walking punchlines of quarterbacks for the longest time. Now, granted, Matt Savage. He just got hot at the right time. You were a victim of quarterbacks getting hot at the right time. Right, but that's why did they get hot? Because 49ers are cursed. I don't think the 49ers are cursed. Here's what's going to happen, Evan. In the next couple of years, and I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you because I think what you, what's going to happen is they're going to break through and they're going to win a title. And you're going to be like, wow, I'm glad I experienced that pain before. Before uh, I won another Super Bowl or saw a Super Bowl in my lifetime for the Niners, it was all worth it. Yeah, that will happen. The I Niners mean, have been close too many times. It's going to happen. The Niners are about to not have Jimmy Garoppolo's twenty-five mm-hmm. million dollar cap hit. They have right. two years. They have two years before they have to pay Bosa. Maybe a year before they have to pay Debo. Yeah, I do think so. Uh, but yeah, as far as Burrow's concerned, I am very okay. Put him on the Madden cover. Make him the face of the NFL. He's cool. You know, Justin Herbert's never going to be the face of the NFL. He's quiet. He doesn't like to talk much. He just likes to play football. Well, Joe Burrow doesn't really like to talk either. There's just a no, different kind of Joe cool. Burrow has, like, Justin Joe Herbert's Burrow has got swag. the Andrew Luck stuff. Yeah. Herbert's like Luck, where he's not cool at all, but he's super smart, but he's just clearly a dork and, and over mm-hmm. his head with all that kind of stuff. Um, Burrow's legitimately just cool. Yeah. Um, you can't teach I, that. It's like you and I on this podcast. Like you're cool, Evan, and I could not pretend even for the slightest <laughs> to be a cool person. That's never been in my DNA. I, I think you're pretty damn cool myself. So, well, thanks, uh, man. And I don't think I'm very cool at all. I think I'm a big nerd uh, who's just loud and has an attention uh, need. But you know, Joe Burrow, it's it's such a great story. I think NFL stories like the Bengals are why we love the sport. There's a bunch mm. of you know things, but like when you tell me, when you show me the 95 year old grandfather or whatever who is crying because he's never seen his Bengals in the, in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, right? When you see the Eagles fans, same thing, right? The Chiefs, like that's why we love the sport, um, and I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for uh, an upset. You know, every everybody. It's not even a big upset. Have you seen the line? It's only three and a half. Yeah, toss up, man. Well, listen, man. My team just played the Rams. It's, a, it's a, it would be an upset. I don't know. Joe Burrow is better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, and they got Joe, better pieces. Yeah, I don't. The, Joe Burrow is a better quarterback, mm. and then I think the offensive weapons are a push. Mm. But I do think that Zach Taylor, like we said, uses the offensive weapons a million times better. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's, you know, what, but regardless of this, I think everyone in the world right now is going to be rooting for the Bengals. It is interesting. Like Stafford's this great story after toiling away in Detroit for years. Um, and Cooper Cup might be like the reincarnation of Jerry Rice. And people are like, no, we're good. 
uh, we're just and Aaron Donald being a great story too on the defensive side of the ball, and them just being like, no, I think we're going to side with Joe Burrow in the city of Cincinnati on this one. We're going to go with uh, the Bengals, yeah, unanimously. And it's interesting because like, it's just amazing how quickly fortunes can change in the NFL. Because do you remember what I was saying on this podcast before the season got started about the Bengals? Where I remember distinctly, we were having these preseason conversations and I was like, I don't know. Bengals, I just don't see a way that they're bad. I think there's too much offensive talent. I think when they go three wide, there's just going to be too much there where they're going to score enough. Joe Burrow is going to be good enough for them to be a playoff team. I didn't think they win the division, but I saw like eight to nine wins. You know what was really interesting about that? Not to interrupt you, sorry. No, you're good. Everything we said about the Bengals in terms of why they might not do well Mm. really kind of was true. Yeah. They just won in spite of it. The offensive line still being awful, and they won in spite of a bad offensive line. They won in spite of just some questions of the defense, but they also just they won in the little areas. Like Trey Hendrickson in there for uh, Carl Lawson was a huge upgrade, but people mm-hmm. were concerned when that flip happened. And obviously, he got hurt in uh, New York, so we never got to see firsthand what it would have looked like differently. But like Hendrickson was an animal on yeah. Sunday. He was all over the place and was great for them. And it's been great for them. Um, I don't know, man. Like they were just, they're fun. The Bengals, they, they're a bend, don't break uh, defense. And like, for instance, let me pull up this T Higgins number. So T Higgins, uh, because they shut down Jamar Chase, which is cool. This is something that I want to see from teams where it's like Jamar Chase obviously had a crazy, crazy game uh, against Casey the last time. And they were like, that's not happening this time. It's not happening. So they were like, all right, T Higgins over the middle is going to happen then instead. And three of Higgins, six receptions went for 15 plus yards in this one. Like that's the kind of stuff where when something shut down, you adapt and Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense adapted really well in this game. And then on the flip side, uh, this coming from PFF, uh, this is just preposterous from Patrick Mahomes. All right. Quote, there was no stopping Patrick Mahomes in the first half. He posted an adjusting completion rate of 100% and a passer rating of 149.9, generating 10.5 yards per attempt. But then things stalled. After halftime, Mahomes managed an adjusted completion rate of 52.9%, a passer rating of 12.3%, and an average of only 3.1 yards per attempt, Evan. He should have been picked off uh, the play before he eventually was in overtime. Like, it was unreal. And then we had the broadcast, and this is why people were ripping Romo throughout this game. But them encouraging, and I've written that down in my, my notes as I was watching this game, where he kept saying, like, they should let him score. And I'm like, this is not the Bills game. That's not how this game's going at all. Like, that's not what's happening here. Right. Um, the Bengals have played really well this whole second half. Last week was different. Last week was like every both sides of the ball were just a sieve. Like, both teams were just like, we're scoring. That's happening. Deal with it. The Bengals right. have, what, allowed three points in the second half? No, you you go to the – you see what you can do here. You're going to bend, don't break, and bet on your defense that has completely stifled Patrick Mahomes – the entire second half. Um, I didn't understand that line of thinking at the time, and that was something I'd written down my notes. I'm like, Bingo's defense has been good. Have y'all watched Patrick Mahomes the second half? He's been cooked. He like Tyreek Hill and Cole Hardman are like arguing on the sideline about touches in the middle of the game. Um, things are not going well for that Kansas City offense, but I, I back. Like 
if you're like from your perspective, do you think we see a different Patrick Mahomes going forward? Does this does this hurt the Chiefs and the fact that, like you said, four AFC title games, one Super Bowl win total, like this should have been a dynasty early on and it's not. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of wild. But do you see this staying with the Chiefs going into next year, this loss? I think when you look at how the NFL has progressed, you look at like, yeah, I remember there was, I saw uh, a stat or a TikTok that was like talking about Carson Palmer's, I remember year, he was like 27 and 17. And they're talking about how great of a football season that was for a quarterback 15 years ago or whatever. Mm. And you look at now, you look at Mahomes and the Josh Allens and all these things. Like, I just think that it's the NFL, like to me, the dynasty is dead. The idea of a dynasty is dead. I think teams are too good. Players are too good. You know, I think the I just I just think, I think it's the, just like, there's too many too good there's too many good quarterbacks now. I think the yeah. volatility of the quarterback situation across the league just makes it almost impossible for that to be the case anymore. And then also like I just think that like we're seeing some really good seasons from quarterbacks, but we're also mm-hmm. seeing like them being kind of hard to repeat, right? Right. Like Josh Allen has had, had you know a great season. We'll see what he does next year. Patrick Mahomes has his god tier season that kind of struggles. Like I just I you know I don't know. It, there's I just think we're we're too in it right now though. It's hard to we're gonna know the answer in five years from now. Um but I think <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. I don't think he is as good as he we thought he was, but I think the the answer of how good he is is still, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks the the, the sport has ever seen ever and maybe ever. Um, but that's okay. You can come down back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's move on with uh, the Harbaugh stuff. What do you? What do you make of this if they go Harbaugh? Because it's not a done deal. Like Patrick Graham is still, he had like a nine hour, nine hour interview. He's the DC up there in New York. And apparently he's close to the new uh, Vikings GM. But um, it's fascinating. Like you, you're the Harbaugh expert from his time in San Francisco. He's been to a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if it'd be a slam dunk. And I don't even know if I would like Patrick Graham has been a good DC in New York, but let's just say that he is introduced tomorrow as the next head coach of the, the uh, Minnesota Vikings. What should Vikings fans expect uh, right away from Harbaugh? Well, you know, I think if you look at Zimmer Mm -hmm. and you look at Harbaugh, it's kind of obvious what the difference is, right? He's got excitement, a little bit of a swagger, you know, he's kind of cool, but crazy. Uh, he's a he's a he's a guy's guy, right? And I think, you know, Zimmer's just not that, right? Jim Zimmer mm-hmm. was a methodical kind of curmudgeon. So I think if he comes in, you know, he's going to excite people on that team right away. I just think it's hilarious. You know, Dalvin Cook is is not Frank Gore, um, but you know, I think Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, you look at some of the pieces, right? You look at Justin Jefferson, Everson Griffin, who knows what Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson can still do. You know, Daniel Hunter is really good. Um, I think Harbaugh is going to have a good roster. And I, I'm, ex- I'm laughing 
remembering all of the things with the, the you know Jim Harbaugh and Alex Smith. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking and like now he gets to, to quarterback Kirk Cousins, another good but not great. Although I think he's you know Kirk Cousins is better than Alex Smith was. Um, I just think it's hilarious. It seems so familiar. Um, I'm excited yeah. for Jim Har- Harbaugh to be back in the NFL though. I think the NFL is better with him in it. I also think it keeps the Vikings afloat. Like um, Zimmer was like an under, he became underrated over the course of his time in Minnesota. Zimmer won a bunch of games and he had a top 10 defense more often than not uh, in Minnesota. Volatility on the defensive side of the ball is almost a given in the modern NFL. And that dude still put out just great defenses after great defense. And a lot of the issues came with, uh, drafting uh, defensive players in the last couple drafts. I remember I had Arif Hassan of uh, The Athletic on talk all things Vikings a few weeks back and he mentioned that the downfall of the Vikings was not even really just Zimmer. It was kind of more of Spielman's uh, reaching on guys stop working. Like when you when you bet on your like your scout work and betting on guys that might seem like long shots and overthinking the draft and uh, kind of going with the outside the box picks eventually that catches up to you eventually that kind of style like it, it's not going to work over the long term um and that's what happened but like you said there's a lot of pieces here you still got dalvin cook still got justin jefferson who's an absolute stud you got um adam thielen still you've got pieces everywhere kirk cousins had a good year um harbaugh's shown he can win a lot of games with that kind of quarterback i don't know i think i think with the nfc north being what it is where the lions are not not close to really competing the bears new administration and did not see enough from justin fields didn't fire a lot of confidence this year and they've got a long way to go i think they're right there and if jordan love is the guy in green bay because aaron Rodgers has played his last game suddenly you're like oh harbaugh i understand why he was looking at this job and being like i this is why i would leave michigan he could win the division year one like i look at this and i'm like the vikings are right there yeah they really are um, the one thing I will I want to say though is maybe the last thing I'll say. Brian Flores today came out and said, "I interviewed for the New York Giants. Mm. I was scheduled to interview for the New York Giants." Bill Belichick sent me in a congratulations text that was meant for Brian DeBull mm. for my interview that was scheduled, meaning they decided before he even got to, to schedule mm. go you know go to the scheduled interview they were going to hire a white coach and, and you know right and that was his argument right like let me interview first before you make your decision right give me a fighting chance right of over an hour ago the report came out right we did we've been doing the podcast now for what like an hour literally an hour right mm. so you know, about an hour and 20 minutes ago, the report came out from a uh, Michigan um, person, uh, beat writer of some sorts. Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the Vikings, right? And then pro football talk, Florio, right? He goes, reports are that Jim Harbaugh is going to the Vikings. Ian Rappaport just now tweets, or excuse me, the Minnesota Vikings come tweet, We've comp- completed our second interview with the Giants defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, Patrick Graham, right? They just completed it 27 minutes ago. Chase, would you guess what ethnicity that coach is? Well, I already know the answer to this, yeah. Right, so he's an African-American. Mm. 
So a report came out before the interview was even over of an African-American coach that they've already decided on a white head coach. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't know what is happening, but I, I just think that it is hilarious that quite literally the thing Brian Flores saying happened. Right. Looks like it happened on the same day that the report comes out. Well, we still don't know. Let's just say, like, for the Vikings, we don't know because the current GM, um, he is close with Patrick Graham. So I don't know if this is going to be a done deal. Like, it's a weird phrasing of, like, Jim Harbaugh is going to take the job. It's like, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been offered it, maybe. Maybe that's the thing. Right. Is like, the GM might want Patrick Graham, but like you said, maybe there's something higher up the food chain. It's like, no, we're going to go with Jim Harbaugh on this one. And... You have to look at every situation individually, but like Flores has a case, man. And that's bad. The look um, in New York's atrocious and just his broad case of systemic racism is just right there. Like it's all right there. And I hope he wins. This has been a long time coming. This is a reckoning that the uh, NFL uh, has needed for, like I said, just a really long time. And it sucks because I don't know what this means for Brian Flores' future in the NFL. He's a great coach. He got fired after winning nine games in Miami this year. He righted the ship in Miami. Um, now, like, is there other stuff? Like, if he didn't believe in Tua, that's a problem because you just invested in Tua. And, like, if there's a disconnect as to whether or not you believe in your franchise quarterback, I understand why you would move on from a situation like that. That's not going to work. If you don't believe in your starting quarterback long term and the organization does, then that's probably going to put you in a bad spot. Um, all that being said, wasting so I, the worst to me was the Broncos stuff. The Broncos stuff was just that, like, they didn't take it seriously. He was clearly checking a box, and that's gross. It's horrible. Like, that is gross, horrible nonsense that. I you read that and that just it it broke my heart man like reading that stuff I'm like he's putting in all this time preparing like I couldn't even imagine how much these coaches have to put together before an interview to like sell ownership in the front office like your your vision like what kind of folders status that you've got going on in the days leading up to it of like how you're going to build a Super Bowl winner and to come in hung over and act like it's not a big deal and disheveled and all that kind of stuff like I couldn't imagine what he had to have been feeling at that moment. And or to have yeah. Steven Ross say, Oh yeah, that's the other give thing. Give me a hundred thousand dollars to lose. You, I'm a head coach and all I, and all I know is that, you know, I'm, I am rated on my wins and losses and you're telling me you want me to come into this organization. How does that work by the way? Does he give him cash? Cause you can't I mean, write a check probably, for that. Probably Bitcoin. Okay. I like, what? How does he still own a team after this? Like an owner is just, if it's true, if it's proven to be true, like how are you allowed to still own this team? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I it's all bad, this. man, but he, I'm Flores, glad this is happening. Flores could be an asshole. He could have been an asshole about the Tua situation. Well, it's not even but, that. I'm not even saying that. He just had a no, disconnect. No, 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 I'm, saying, I'm yeah. saying that. I'm saying that. I'm like saying like even those things and it doesn't make his point any less right. And he doesn't have to win a lawsuit. He doesn't have to win a loose lawsuit here. Like, that's not what decides whether or not Flores was right. He was right. And he was a winning coach. He yeah. Was a, he was a winning coach. He deserves another shot somewhere else with a quarterback that he believes in. Like, that's the thing. And Brian DeBowell also deserves a head coaching job. Yeah. He was incredibly exciting. That's the one thing that makes it a little harder, right? Like, DeBowell is a really damn good coach. And, and it also seems like he got it because guess what? 
because everything's buddy buddy like the nfl is just a buddy buddy nepotism network that like you're dealing with it with shanahan a little bit like kyle does not move up the ranks and kyle does not get to where he is with the shanahan name holds weight that clearly holds weight the harbaugh name holds weight um schottenheimer that name holds weight Well, and i also think like with the bowl like they wanted someone that could fix Daniel Jones and right. just got done giving Josh Allen the one of the, not giving, but helping. And Brian yeah. Flores just had a disconnect with their quarterback and they had offensive problems the whole time he was there. And he could not put together a great offensive staff. Like they had like co-OCs this year that didn't work. Like that's a, it's a real, that's a real thing. I think. And that's what it's going to come down to that. If they would have just came out and said like, listen, Flores is a great coach, but we wanted to bring someone in that had success developing a quarterback. Like if they would have just said that, you can't really argue that. But then, like, why didn't you interview Eric Bieniemy? Why didn't you interview Byron Leftwich? Why didn't you bring in other dudes? Why? Why didn't you interview Eric Bieniemy? Because he has like a track record. Of- yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah, and that's, that's something else that's, that. Yeah, that's why he didn't get any interviews. So as soon as people started talking about that, he just stopped. That's one of those where folks got to Google. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It just stinks. And Flores, I just. I love that he took the stance and he took up, he made a really, really bold move today. And he is, he's brave, man, because I don't know. I don't, I don't think he gets another head coaching job. I hope that's not the case. I hope he gets another shot, but man, this is, this is bold. And I hope something comes of it. The, like I said, the NFL has had this coming for a long time. They need this reckoning. I hope, I hope this changes how this process works. I hope this changes things for future uh, African-American head coaches and any minority coach who comes through the ranks. Like, I hope this brings about systemic change. Like, I think that's what Flores's goal ultimately is, is bring about systemic change in the hiring process and the way the NFL does things. And this is something that should be the case across all sports, all hiring everywhere in the United States and worldwide. But um, man, it just is a bummer. You read it. And I just, I could not imagine what Flores had to be feeling when he got, when he realized that Brian, uh, when Bill Belichick was texting the wrong dude, how much his heart had to have dropped. And then the walk in with just the Denver Broncos front office, not being prepared or not caring. Like, I just couldn't imagine like, that's just, I, it's not fair and it's not right. And we know it's not right. And I hope something's done about it. So I don't want to end on that side of a note. I do think yeah. Brian Flores is going to get a head coaching job somewhere. And I do think he deserves it. Um, can you kind of just walk through? Because I, I got to get out of here in a second. Yeah. Going to a Chinese New Year dinner. Okay. New Year. Um, very cool. What, yeah. What are you? But I am very white, but also, you know. No, I didn't mean that. I'm happy happy Chinese. Happy, happy Lunar New Year's too. Well, no, I meant so, the, the, the calendar. Isn't there? A, oh, I'm a dragon. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah, the calendar. That's what, what a meant. badass thing that is. I'm a dragon. I don't know what. Um, I am. But uh, yeah, so what do you? Th- how do you think the Super Bowl goes? Well, we, next week will be the big preview. Next okay, week will be good. the big preview. Okay. But as of right now, I'm still leaning Bengals. Um, I think this man. People when they bring up Aaron Donald or Von Miller and what that pass rush will do, and I'm like Burrows. He, he'll be fine. Like Burrow has shown like you could throw the Tennessee pass rush, the Kansas city pass rush at him. And he's not based. Like 
I am curious to see outside of Jalen Ramsey, how the St. Louis secondary holds up against like, what does Eric Weddle do with T Higgins over the middle? What, uh, like is CJ, is am I going to play? Um, I don't think the Bengals will be able to run on the Rams, but, uh, if Burrow's able to scamper and if Burrow, like the chiefs are a better football team than the Rams. They just are. And Burrow just beat them. I, uh, I think this is the start of something pretty serious with Burrow. And I think uh, as of right now, he gets it done. Well, maybe I'm cursed. And maybe that's why Burrow's doing so well. Because I said he wasn't going to be as good as uh, Herbert. Well, Herbert's so great. And like I said, I, I, I give you a hard time about the Herbert-Burrow uh, situation. But both are going to be multi-time pro bowlers. Both are going to be probably MVP of the league at some point together. Um, and there's a strong possibility that these two just go at it back and forth over the years like that's uh herbert um it would not surprise me in the least herbert found his way in there uh, in the next couple of years um wow. that chargers roster is loaded too they're just different um and when you look at how this uh, most recent rookie cat class just played man it's not a guarantee and then herbert and burrow are just awesome and that also complicates the uh like is brian flores still in miami if they draft herbert instead of tua if, oh yeah. If they if you drafted Justin Herbert right now, they would be competing in the playoffs. Right. Like it's amazing how these little things just change everything for organizations and stuff like that. But Mr. Swords, you know what we do here at the end of these podcasts. Even with food on the menu, even with you having to get out to I already know what I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say it very clearly and very okay. blunt. I'm ready. I'm not giving anyone any kind of ruha, rah rah excitement. Oh no. Rant, no. My 49ers just lost another game that they inevitably, if they would have won, probably would have won the Super Bowl. I've well, I am I am in pain. And I am asking you as a human being to just right. go rate this podcast five stars, mm. not for Chase. Like I always ask you to do it for Chase. Mm. Do it for me. Cause I have to go into draft season without a first round draft pick. So it's sad boy hours over here, all right? Just do mm-hmm. it. Just do it. We might have to take a receiver because Calvin Ridley this offseason. That's where I'm at. We might have to burn a first-round pick on another receiver. Uh, um, that's where we're at right now. Um, yeah. Both sad. Sad state of affairs for both of our teams going into this offseason, the, the Falcons and the Niners. Um, Mr. Swords, we can find you on Twitter at burner underscore swords. Go check out all the good folks over there at 49ershub.com. If you have not already done so, keep up with them this offseason as the 49ers uh, get moving on the Trey Lance era. And uh, Mr. Swords, I will talk to you next week for our Super Bowl preview show. Have a good night, right. my friend. I'll talk to you soon, man. Have a great night. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.